What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're live, one the way, we are ready for some football. Okay, edition of Bird 365, it's back to the Mac and Mac guys. John McMullen, no practice duty, that means he's got duty sitting right beside me. Here on Bird 365, how are your last couple of days down at the Novacare Complex, McMullen? Uh, a little bit more exciting, I would say. New faces in town, the greatest of all time in town. So that picks up things in mid-August. Uh, Bill Belichick bringing his team into town. I think it's at this stage of the game, Brandon Graham was talking about this earlier in the week, and you know he gets to practice against Lane Johnson every day and vice versa. And those are two of the Eagles' best players, and they're used to each other. They know all the tricks. They've been doing it for so many years. So it's good to see uh, a different uh, opponent, different philosophy. They're trying to accomplish different things, all that kind of stuff. I think it gives you a, a better temperature of your team. And Nick Sirianni talks, sure loved the joint practices. He thought, kind of intimated, they're more important than the game on Thursday night. Um, so that's where the coaches are as far as it goes. And, and oh, by the way, the Eagles had – Maybe they're two best days of the summer, so that's that's a positive. I surely want to uh, get into that, the fact that the Eagles basically won the day two days in a row against the Patriots, which should put a, a smile on Nick Sirianni's face. Uh, but before we even get there, you and I have been following football for a long time, and we know of the accomplishment of the Patriots. I'm not going back to Steve Grogan days or even Bill Parcells days. I'm just talking about since Belichick got there and the – uh, amount of Super Bowl wings, rings that they've won, you would think that brings a cachet with it. When the quote-unquote Patriots come to town, damn, it's the Patriots. Some guys on this team eh, might not be as moved by it, even the guys who've been around for a while, because they went mano a mano with the Patriots in the Super Bowl and walked away with that Lombardi trophy. And other guys, the youngsters on this squad, the Patriots are another one of the 31 other teams in the league do the Patriots still have that cachet when they come in? We're not just playing another team in the NFL. We're not practicing with another team. We're practicing with the Patriots. Is that the case anymore? 
Yeah, I think it is. I, I think in, in many ways, though, Jody, it is a generational thing. Like younger players, you know, a lot of them don't know history, don't don't even know what what is what they're going up against, so to speak. Um, so some of them, some of them do. Some of them love the game and have been paying attention. And, and, you know, it's more Tom Brady probably than Bill Belichick, and he's not there anymore. But, you know, that's the cachet of the Patriots. Um, but, yeah, for the, old, for the old school guys, the coaches, the organizational people, even the veterans, the veterans who were there, like, you know, we were talking, um, you know, I just mentioned Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson. I mean, those guys understand what they did, understand what they accomplished by beating that team. Um, yeah, it's a real thing. And then you have all the – I always say, you know, half of the battle against Belichick is lost before you enter the field because everybody's in awe of them from the other coaching staff. And, you know, you got all the whispers and the cameras and what's he doing and what's – What's he ahead of the game? Like he's in everybody's head. He he he's he's had so much success, and you know, I mean, people still talk. Oh, he cheated the first time the Eagles. Blah blah. He did this. He did that. Um, you know, it, they cheat all the time in NASCAR too. You know, you tip your cap. Everybody cheats. Everybody holds. Everybody tries. If you're able to to manifest something in forty seconds on the play card play. Play, I slip of the tongue there, play clock and use it correctly and use it to a, a beat your opponent, more power to you. More power to you, and he's in everybody's head. The old if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying uh, philosophy. Yeah, the Patriots go above and beyond when it comes to trying, a.k.a. cheating. Um, it's good to hear that the Eagles, uh, even those guys who have been around for a while, can – Put the mystique of the Patriots behind them. And yes, yeah, it'll be easy enough since they did beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, I, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, didn't know coming in any joint practice. It has to be a an agreement between the coaching staffs as to what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, what time they're going to give each uh, breakdown area that they're going to work on. Well, we thought that Bill Belichick might have driven the bus in day number one, seeing as the Eagles went for two hours, something they had not done in any practice so far this year, did so in practice one with the Patriots. I guess Nick Sirianni called the shots yesterday since you were 70 minutes and done? Yeah, I I, I don't think he did. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the Patriots went to uh, Mount Laurel to visit NFL Films uh, while they were down here as a team. Um, so I think part of it was, uh, you know, sort of a, I don't know, a half day off as far as Belichick was concerned. But I was talking to the Eagles coaches, one of the Eagles coaches, uh, before the practice. And he said, we're doing a lot of, uh, gave me the, the heads up. We're going to do a lot of seven on seven, uh, red zone stuff. Um, cause Belichick wants to work on that. So um, even in the framework, yeah, he might have said, okay, we'll go, we'll have a short day. But even in the framework of the short day, he kind of put his foot down and said, I want to do this. So I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I mean, the Eagles have been using a lot of red zone work themselves throughout camp. We talked about that a lot. So, um, you know, the particular coach I was talking to said, well, we'll use it. We'll get something out of it. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily the way they wanted to go, and that's fine. 
And oh, by the way, it worked out pretty nicely too. The Eagles were very effective in the seven and seven. A lot of touchdowns yesterday. Uh, I know uh, for Monday you said maybe Jalen Hurts' best practice all year long going up against a an opponent other than his teammates, which is a very good sign. How does his practice day two compared to day one? Yeah, still good. Wasn't as good as day one, but day one was really good for Jalen Hurts. Uh, but overall, I think. You know, the two days, the Eagles clearly, to me, won them both. I think a lot of that had to do with quarterback play. Cam Newton did not play well, um, and he took the majority, obviously, of the first team reps for the Patriots. Um, Jalen Hurts did play well, and you know how this league works. Sometimes, you know, it's not fair to boil it down to the quarterback, and more often than not, I agree with it, but you you see in preseason football, you see in practice more than anywhere else, if you don't have good quarterback play, how difficult it is to accomplish anything from, from an offensive perspective. So that kind of skews things from both sides. Hey, maybe the offensive line is playing well. Uh, maybe maybe the running backs are playing well. And, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you say, wow, they look great. But is it because they're great or because the quarterback is struggling? So I'm back in that sort of conundrum. Was Cam that bad or were the Eagles that good? Um, and, but from the perspective of the Eagles, you know, Jalen Hurts and some of the young receivers, um, they beat up on that Patriots defense a good portion of the day. Now, no step on Gilmore. You have to add that into the mix. Um, and there were times when the Patriots made plays, but consistently I think the Eagles got the better of them. Well, and you're right, no step on Gilmore, and, and that should be factored in. However, uh, and I didn't watch the Patriots play every single week last year, and I know they uh, finished below 500. I saw enough of them to get a judgment on the team. And uh, without that Brady guy, talk about quarterback play and the level of quarterback play. Oh, it dropped a little in New England last year, so therefore they dropped from Super Bowl contender to below 500 team, making John McMullen's point. Um but I'm watching the NFL Network over the weekend. I was on the air on Sunday night on CBS Sports Radio, and they're running down the top 100 players in the NFL. We touched on this yesterday. Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey were in the 90s. Uh, Fletcher Cox was in the low 60s. Probably the only Eagles that are going to make that list because they've only got uh, from number one to 40 left, and I don't know that the Eagles have a top 40 player. So they had three guys make the list. C.J. Jackson, the corner from the Patriots, made the list. And I know that last year, Stephon Gilmore had some issues. He was uh, looking for a renegotiated contract. He missed some time with an injury. I, I watched the Patriots. I didn't see C.J. Jackson shutting anybody down. And that name kind of surprised me. I thought of him as a good starting quarterback. I thought of him, as a matter of fact, not quite as good a player as uh, big play, uh, play, our guy. Um, Very slay, yeah. Very I would say, slay. I mean, I wasn't. Um, J.C. Jackson, uh, he's the other starting quarterback, C.J., but which is fine. Sorry I about mean, that. Everybody... That, that. That tells you how much I think of him. Yeah. I got his initials wrong. No, that I mean, he's the other starting corner uh, opposite, typically, Stephon Gilmore. It's interesting to me. I, he, he, you, you can tell he's a pretty good player. I don't know if he's that good. Uh, but you could tell he belongs out there. Um, and and he he won his share of, of one-on-ones. The, but I got to tell you, the the Patriots corner I was most impressed with was, was Joe John Williams, 
Uh, and he was, I, I don't know, I think it was a second round pick a couple of years ago. Um, he's just big. Uh, he's, he's, he's 6'3", 6'4", 215. And boy, I got to tell you, we'll talk about the wide receivers because a lot of the young wide receivers had a good couple of, couple of days. One who didn't was Travis Fulgham. He's the one who's going uh, sort of in a descent. And one of the reasons is that Joe John Williams just lit him up at the line of scrimmage. He couldn't get separation anywhere against that guy. And, and you know, Travis is a big receiver. So it was like physicality against physicality. You know, maybe Williams isn't as good against small, shifty receivers. But he, he impressed me. Um, but... I, I agree with you with, you know, maybe part of it is with Gilmore. When Gilmore's out there, uh, obviously he's so good. Uh, maybe it helps the other side as well. Maybe it hurts. But certainly I would say if you look at the Patriots on paper, um, the strength of their team is supposed to be their secondary. So you, you talk about Devin McCourty as well at safety. Um J.J. Jackson, as I mentioned, Stephon Gilmore. We'll see if Williams can develop into what he's so, supposed to be as a former second-round pick. I would say – and then we haven't even talked about Jalen Mills returning. Um, I would say by far that should be the strength of their team. And if that's the case, and the Eagles did throw the ball through the air, making plays – whether it was uh, Jalen and or uh, Flacco had a couple, at least as noted by you guys covering the team, some nice throws. Um, that That's a good sign. If that's the strong suit of the Eagles and they were able to score, I know, seven on sevens, red zone only, whole bunch of touchdowns. You're supposed to get a whole Man, bunch of touchdowns. Well, but yeah. the Eagles did. And that's a good sign if we think this Eagle wide receiver core isn't quite up to snuff and they desperately need a veteran presence to come in and help them. I said this yesterday uh, when uh, probably after you were done for the day, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to do it. And I don't know that they need to do it. JM. Yeah. Well, they might not do it. Uh, it's a difficult time to add somebody who would give you any relevance anyway. Um, I do think they have confidence in, in your guy, Greg Ward, sort of as the fourth receiver. Um, my issue is, okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, my issue is counting on all three young players at once and assuming um, that's going to all work out in a positive fashion. I always say some of those probably will work out in a positive fashion. But usually, and we know from covering this league a long time, all of those question marks don't turn out positive. Uh, if they do, you have a really special season. So, you know, somebody's going to struggle. Uh, put a name in a hat. I doubt it's going to be Devontae Smith. Uh, Jalen Rager, we know everybody probably saw that catch, which is as good as it gets. When is that going to translate to the game uh, in a consistent basis? Quez Watkins has been probably the star of the summer. Um, sort of uh, everyone looking at him almost like a, a proven commodity. Guess what? He's not a proven commodity. Uh, he's got a lot to prove still. And and by the way, I gave my practice game ball today. People are not going to want to hear this. The best Eagles receiver on the field yesterday, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Just right, that, as Travis Fulgham is 
going whoop, right straight down. JJ, they got the EKG machine out. Boom. Here he comes. Back to life, huh? Uh, let's see. That was one day. If he gets three <laughs> grabs and uh, a touchdown on Thursday night in a game that actually counts, more so than practice, not that it counts fully either, but more so than practice, yeah, then I'll believe the eight. Hey, you don't count well, out. I don't know if you should believe it, I'm by the way. still counting them out. By the way, I'm not saying you should believe it because he's always played well in August. He's always played well in training camp, uh, and it hasn't translated. But that's a perfect example because J.J. was really good in training camp as a rookie. He was really good uh, last year in training camp, in the short training camp. Didn't translate. So it's actually a perfect example of why you you can't just say, okay, this this player played well in training camp. He's going to be great in the regular season. Doesn't always work out. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Okay, one more quickie. We'll take a timeout. we got our other uh, cohort on here. Jeff Kerr is going to hop aboard with us uh, this morning. Um, you and I, uh, I asked you to project the guys that uh, might not make it out of the end of practice uh, yesterday uh, as Philadelphia Eagles. They had to cut down a couple more guys, get down to 80. Uh, they had uh, released two players earlier in the week. So they needed to make three more cuts yesterday. I said, give me three names. I, I think you took an 0 for 3. I added two more. I know I took an 0 for yeah. 2. Did no, you see- and I can tell you, I got some intel on that. And this Please. is actually, because remember, this this 90 to 85 cut is new. So we're all kind of flying blind. How are you going to handle this? I'm looking at preseason game one, and I'm looking at Jamon Osborne, and he played three snaps, and Kreider barely played and has a couple bad snaps in every practice. And I'm thinking of it like a normal cut. Well, you're probably going to go. So the Eagles went in the direction. They cut all injured players. And, you know, the, the, the thought process there is they need the guys for the reps to get through the rest of the next week when they have joint practices with your Jets and the preseason game of the, against the Jets. If you keep around on Johnson and you keep around uh, Casey Tucker and players like that, they can't practice anyway. But they're not ready to go. So from that standpoint, I took a step back and I said, yeah, that's a pretty smart way to do this. These guys aren't making the team, but they're also injured. So you might as well start the process of working out the injury settlements now. Uh, and you have the other guys that we talked about who aren't going to make the football team, but you can use them for reps and what's going to be a busy couple of days starting with Thursday night and going through next week with all the joint practices in the game with the Jets. All right, Mr. Cap, I'll just uh, educate both me and our uh, Birds 365 fans. The three that were cut yesterday, if they, they if they go through waivers and they're not claimed, which I'll project that none of these three guys will be claimed, they revert back to the Eagles and their injured reserve list. At some point, you need to make a decision on them. You can't just leave them stashed there forever unless you're going to put them on complete season IR. Um, but as far as the cap goes, does the money that they use to come up with an injury settlement and let a guy go, but they get paid a little bit because you try to cut them when they were hurt, does that count against the cap? Um, I, I 
that is a good question. I don't know completely. Obviously, it's not, more not, of, not because you don't know, but because I don't know, and I'm going. All right, well, if I if McMillan doesn't know, then uh, that's not so much shame on me because I don't know either. Yeah, I mean, generally, I I would say, and I have to check. I would say no. It has to do with the contract and how it's uh, worded. So if there's obviously dead money on a particular contract, and you're talking about again, carry on Johnson. Uh, who worked out a deal for less money after he got claimed on waivers, Luke Jariga, former undrafted free agent Casey Tucker. You're not talking about big-time big deals here, so it's not going to be uh, and relevant to the salary cap either way. But it is a good question. I'll ask Joel Corey, uh, Jeff's buddy at CBS. He, he, knows, he's, he knows all that stuff back and forward. But um, – uh, yeah, it's not relevant. I just thought it was very smart the way the Eagles handled it. It made a lot of sense when they explained it to me. You need the guys for reps. So the guys who are injured that you know aren't going to make the team, you know, you might as well start that process. And you're right. The minute you're put on injured reserve, you're done for the season. you got to make the final 53. Now, if you work out an injury settlement, I think it's eight weeks, um, at that point, you can return to your old team. Uh, so that gets in play as well. I thought there was a possibility since they were going to go down the injury settled that settlement that Andre Dillard's spot on the roster might be in question. <laughs> no, uh, don't don't worry about that one. Okay. They're not I, they're not cutting Andre Dillard. They're not giving him away. They're not raising the white flag. They not, might trade him, but they're not, not raising the not white this flag. week. Not next week. But in that final cut, McMahon, still a possibility. Jimmy Kemsky, your guy, Philly voice, joined the uh, parade with BLG. He's not worthy of a roster spot. So what do you do? If Two that's different the case? conversations. Howie Roseman isn't cutting in. We talk about this all the time. It is too early. Next year, I would revisit it if he's still around and things are going horrible. It is too early to give up on the first-round pick. The only first-round pitch you, I would go to Jeff Gladney. He got in a domestic assault case. He got cut. Had nothing to do with football. You're not cutting a guy. You're just okay. not doing it in the modern NFL. This Wait. is like is is Jody. This is like is your Landon Dickerson going to sign type argument? Okay. They are All not. Right. And I'll yeah, say yeah, to Jimmy, yeah, yeah, and I'm going to say to Jimmy of practice. You it, and yeah. I'll just I'm, say I'm that despite it. the fact that. Jay Jaw had a good day yesterday. I still say there's an outstanding chance that he is cut by the Eagles at the end of this training camp. And if you're going to cut a second round pick, who's to say you can't cut a first round pick? That's all I'm saying. I'm not uh, saying bet the mortgage do, on it. You can you can do whatever you want. I mean, they can do it. The, you can do whatever you want. But the difference between a second and first round pick, we 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 talk about it all the time with expectations. Massive. Second round pick, Derek Barnett. I always use the excuse. 41st pick, great, great pick. Really helps. 14th pick. Oh, he gotta get rid of him. He's an underachiever. That's that's the difference between a second and a first round pick. And my point is it shouldn't be that different. It's only 30 some odd slots. You should expect I agree. Logically, only slightly less from a second round pick than you do a first round pick. But you're telling me the, the difference should be this. You're telling me the difference is this. I, I you know, poor Jalen Rager, I say all the time as well. If Jalen Rager was the bridge pick he was supposed to be and picked 33rd, 34th, 35th, 
and had the season he had last year, people go, all right, we'll get him going in the second year. Now he's a bust. He's not Justin Jefferson. He can't do this. He can't do that. You know, I, I agree. Logically, it's not fair. It's dumb. It's stupid. But that's just the reality of the situation. That's what I'm saying. That I would give them as more comparable. If there's another player out there who's doing better than you at your position, even though I know it's a whole nother team and the Vikings had Adam Thielen, so Jefferson doesn't get that kind of coverage and Kirk Cousins throws more than we did last year and certainly had a better year than Carson Wentz. You should factor all those things in. But that I understand. When you're being comped to someone at the same exact position who's picked after you, oh, yeah, that that's, I think, a legitimate way to analyze it. The fact that one guy but is logically, a- you just brought up the context of it. Why it doesn't make sense. You know, Jalen Rager could have went to Minnesota. He's not getting 1,400 yards. And, you know, Justin Jefferson could have went to Philadelphia, and he's not getting 1,400 yards. No. So the systems are not the same. That It's not a vacuum. Logically, everybody knows that. But for whatever reason, because of the passion, the emotion of fan bases, they don't they don't they don't put that context into it. Yeah, but you can also have your two eyes look and watch and see what Jefferson does and see well, he's a better, he's player. A better player than Jalen Rager. Yeah. Sorry, there's no other way around it. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. Jeff Curry's done a great job for us filling in for Johnny Mac whenever he needs to get to practice. So we're gonna give Jeff his five. We're gonna bring him on as a guest. I love both McMullen and Curry. They they they're so flexible. Positional flexibility is everything in life. And both of these guys have it, whether they're hosting, whether they're coming on as a guest. We'll bring Jeff Kerr up next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Wednesday edition of Birds 365, kind of a full week that we get a little break here, right in the middle, two days of Eagles-Patriots practice, leading into an exhibition game tomorrow between those two squads, uh, trying to take it all in and see where the teams are sitting, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and Jeff Kerr, good enough to come on, he's been hosting the last couple of days, we don't want him feeling left out, so we figured we needed to include him in today's proceedings, how are you this morning, Jeffrey? Uh, I can't complain. I'm ready for the Eagles' second preseason game. I'm ready for all week two preseason. And after watching Hard Knocks last night, I really want some football. <laughs> well, you're about the only one that wants. By the way, Jody, the NFL hates the term preseason. Uh, exhibition, excuse me. They want you to call it preseason football. In reality, Jody is correct. It's exhibition football. And Nick Sirianni brought up this week, kind of intimated, and these joint practices are a little bit more important than the actual game. Uh, do people expect to see a lot of the Eagles starters? Because I think they're going to be disappointed if, if they do. Yeah, I, honestly, John, I think people think Jalen Hurts is going to play a half. I don't actually Ooh. know if he will. And I think – Bruce Arians is a perfect example of this. The Bucs had joint practices with the Titans this week. Arians said Monday, he basically was the ultimate buzzkill. Tom Brady's not playing this week. The Stars <laughs> are not playing. We are getting their reps in as yeah. soon as we can. So, yeah, uh, overall, I don't think the Stars are going to play as much as a fan would hope they play. I, I hope they personally play a quarter, but I don't even know if they're going to do that. Jeff, I want to get your take, and certainly yours, John, because uh, you were actually there. Jeff and I were on the air here yesterday when Nick Sirianni was making himself available to you guys down at the Novacare Complex. He was asked about how they're going to use the checkdown system this year. And he went on a fairly effusive explanation of it and how he wants to see it used and the philosophy behind checking from one play to another and the relationship between he and Jalen Hurts. Oh, by the way, he keeps talking about Jalen Hurts like he's a starting quarterback, <laughs> although he still hasn't named yeah. him the starting quarterback. Yeah. We don't even ask him anymore because it's so silly. We don't even bother. Right, but yesterday was a perfect example. He's talking about the quarterback himself calling plays and Steichen is the guy who relays the message. He yeah. says Jalen Hurts. He doesn't say Jalen or Joe or Nick, whoever's in the world. No, no. He yeah. just says Jalen and stops it there. Um, so read into it what you need. Uh, after that long speech, I didn't understand or know. I was just looking for something as to how the Eagles are actually going to handle it. He talked around it for like 45 seconds to a minute and never really said anything. How are the Eagles going to implement 
with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, sorry, Joe. Sorry, Nick. I don't care how much you're going to fit into the checkdown system. How are they going to handle it with Jalen Hurts this year? Well, first off, it is going to be Jalen Hurts. I don't even think Joe Flacco is even taking a rep with the first team. Like, so we can end that charade <laughs> once and for all. But overall, I think this is where the 12 personnel comes in a little more. Maybe the Eagles run a little bit more 12, and then they have two options there, like a Zach Ertz, a Dallas Goddard. But also when you use that 21 speed or when you put in like a Miles Sanders or a Boston Scott, you know, specifically those guys because they're good at pass catching. Well, we hope Miles Sanders is. We're not sure. Um, if we get 2019 Miles Sanders, I should say. But overall, I think they would be excellent checkdown guys as well because if you're looking for the deep pass and you can have one of them kind of run like a short little screen or maybe a wheel route or something like that, maybe you you can check down to them and you can find ways to get yards after the catch. But that's how I'm looking at it. I think you can run a little bit more 12 personnel than maybe Nick would like to run, although based on that first preseason game, he might run a little more. But also, you know, Moss, um, Austin Scott and Miles Sanders, I, I think those two would be nice options as well. Johnny, what do you take out of uh, Sirianni's answer about Well, I think what you're asking, Jody, is not not about the checkdowns, but about the quarterback checking from one. Yes, that's another. exactly what I'm asking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Um, basically, yeah, Nick went on a dissertation about it. it's different. Um, so a lot of times the modern NFL, you call a play, There's it's basically two plays in one, depending on what the quarterback sees at the line of scrimmage. You can check. Sometimes it's just as simple as checking away from the pass to the run. You're just doing math. You're counting the box. Uh, sometimes he said it's a three-way check. It gets more complicated. Um, so it depends on the play. It depends on what's going on. Depends what the coach feels, what he sees, what he thinks the defense is in, what they're doing. So it is more complicated than it's this way every single time. The the more experienced quarterback you have, Peyton Manning, would run things at the line of scrimmage, you know. And Jalen Hurts, as a young quarterback, you would think it would be scaled back a little bit. And I think it's going to be more like a modern sort of NFL offense. And you have two options, and you check from run to pass. You'll hear all the time, kill, 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 uh, from quarterbacks in the NFL. They're checking away. I don't think it's going to be complicated early, but maybe it gets more complicated as things go on. And the reason I bring it up is because we heard so much, and either one of you guys jump in and tell me if I'm overstating it, that last year Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson were just not on the same page. That Carson Wentz did more checking out of the play that was called last year than he had ever done before or had ever been done under Peterson. Now, I get it. Peter's no longer here. Carson Wentz is no longer here. But a whole bunch of Eagle players that were here last year are still here. Um, is it just because Jalen Hurts is as wet behind the ears as he is as, as an NFL quarterback? Do you think they're going to check less than they did last year? Do you think Nick Sirianni will be a little tougher and say, no, I don't want you checking out it? The play that's called is sent in as the options of just read and react and, and get it to the open guy. But don't be checking to another play. Uh, do you think we're going to see less this year than we did last year? I, I don't think it'll be as complicated. I thought, in my personal opinion, I thought Doug overcomplicated at times, and maybe that's because he had a veteran quarterback in there like Carson Wentz, a guy going into his fifth year in the system. But even in, like, 2018, 2019, after Frank Reich left, I felt it was a little more, okay, you know, this 
I don't want to say it was too advanced for Carson Wentz, but maybe there were too many channels to go through. Like, I think it will be a little simpler process for Jalen Hurts. I think that's what Nick Sirianni wants to do. I kind of want to hear John's take on this one. Yeah, I mean, well, a couple things. If you go back to Carson and Doug, that, that was a weird report. I, I, it was a report, I think, that Carson was checking out a place on purpose because he didn't like uh, what Doug – Carson didn't do that. I, I don't know where that came from. Um, as far as, as Jeff's uh, assessment of maybe too much was put on Carson Wentz's plate at times, it was interesting. The Eagles would go through sort of that same uh, uh, mode every year where they would scale things back late in the season. Maybe it was because of an injury and they had to go from obviously most notably Carson Wentz to Nick Foles. Maybe it was because they were struggling and they would simplify things from there. So maybe it was a little bit too complicated. I always got a kick out of sort of the bridge between Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson. I always used to joke, you know, people, because of Doug's first press conference, they said, well, this guy's, this guy's not up to speed. And Chip was kind of witty and always had the quip ready to go. And they said, you know, Chip's the bright guy. And, and, and Chip was the guy who had, you know, the, the, the menu from the hot dog stand as his play call sheet, it said S eight and, you know, Peterson had the cheesecake factory uh, uh, play call sheet. He had the West coast offense, So it was more complicated. Um, Nick's kind of in between, uh, but I think it's going to be, look, I think it's going to be RPO heavy, uh, very RPO heavy early in the season. And it'll grow from there depending on 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 how Jalen Hurts picks things up. All right. I want to get both of you guys' takes on this one. Uh, I'm sure that 90% of the people tuned to us right now on Birds 365 have in some way, shape, or form seen video of the catch that Jalen Rager made in yesterday's practice. Uh, it was Odell Beckham Jr.-like. Shoot, I think it, in a way you make an argument, it might have been more impressive. Odell actually made it in a game, and this was just a practice, but actually the physicality of it, having to get his feet down back of the end zone instead of the front of the end zone, I, I can sit here and argue that it was a more impressive catch. Odell Beckham, when he made that catch, it was on every sports show for, what, a month minimum? They sure. had to try top 10, top 10 yeah. plays, top 100 plays, last plays in the last two weeks, best plays in a month. Odell Beckham Jr. with the one-handed catch. He really hasn't been the same since. That was like the highlight. I'm not talking down Beckham. He's a very talented player, and he might have 100 catches and 12 touchdowns for the Browns this year. But he, that was a phenomenal play, and it was like the highlight of his career. And it's kind of come back down the other side ever since. Is this the thing we're going to remember Jalen Rager for most? Do you remember that catch he made in practice against the uh. Patriots? A year from now, two years from now, we're going to be looking back. Get that video handy of him making that one-handed catch against the Patriots in practice. Why do I fear this? Here's the thing, Jody. I think it shows Jalen Rager has talent. I mean, a lot of these guys have talent. I mean, they're in the NFL. But it just shows you what Jalen Rager can do if you can give him the opportunity to do so. And one thing I liked about this Jalen Rager catches. It's this isn't like this was the first highlight reel catch he's made in training camp. He's made he made one on August fifth. I think he made one a couple of days ago too. Like yeah, one over two defenders. So th this isn't new 
for Jalen Rager. I, I don't want to see him make plays like that. And again, I just want to see him make plays and make a difference in the offense. And I believe he can do that. I think of, I remember saying about a week or two ago, it's him or Travis Fulgham that needed to step up among this wide receiver group. Well, I've kind of given up on the whole Fulgham thing. Uh, Jalen Rager's the guy because he is the first round pick and he can make Devonta Smith's like he, life easier. He can make Zach Ertz's life easier. Like I, I don't need to see highlight reel after highlight reel of Jalen Rager. Now, if he wants to do the Sean Jackson type highlight reels where he's catching bombs all day long and making big plays and I'm all for that, but <clears throat> I agree with you, Jody. I, Odell's been good, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't been the same player since that catch. And everybody remembers him for the catch and this immense talent. But really, he's been more known for kicking a net and getting injured and Cleveland being better without him in the scheme than his actual talent on the field, which is a shame because I still think the guy is talent, but I don't want Jalen Rager to be known for that catch either. And it's up to Jalen Rager to change that narrative. Boy, well, well, first of all, I got to say, you guys are being tough on OBJ. If I, if Jalen Rager becomes anything close to Odell Beckham Jr., Eagles fans should rejoice. I mean, I, I think, you know, people forget because of the injuries. Jeff's right with the injuries and the kick in the net and, you know, when he went to vacation before the playoffs, all that nonsense. I think his first three years, he had over 1,300 yards receiving. And over 10 touchdowns. I, I think he has like the most catcher or the most yards yeah. and the most touchdowns after three years or something. Yeah. And 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 double digit touchdowns. And in his first year in Cleveland, he had over a thousand yards. He's had like five a thousand yard seasons. I mean, I'll take that from Jalen Rager. Um, so he he's been a really good receiver when healthy, uh, one of the best receivers in football. Look, you're right. I always say first-round picks in this league, first-round picks in this league never fail because they don't have talent. They have talent. It's the other stuff. It might be it might be off-the-field issues. It might be work ethic. It might be, you know, people say Andre Dillard we were talking about. Maybe he's not mentally tough enough. It's always something else. They have the talent. You saw Jalen Rager's talent with that catch. He's got the talent. Now it's got to translate to the field consistency, route running, catching the ball. We see Nelson Aguilar at practice. He was phenomenal. Nelson Aguilar, Mike Rakazin of Philadelphia. Great one day, does nothing the next. No consistency. That's what we need from Jalen Rager. Uh, this is one where I'm going to disagree with my colleague, Jeff Carrier, more so than Odell Beckham kicking the net. I will forever remember him uh, proposing to the net coming out the next week yeah. and <laughs> doing a marriage proposal, which is again, yes, I'm not comparing Rager and uh, Odell Beckham with accomplishments. I'm comparing could, and, and I'll stand by this. Odell Beckham has not been as good because when, when he did what he did with the one handed catch, he was arguably the best wide receiver in the National Football League. He was making plays that Hopkins wasn't, that Devontae Adams wasn't. He was the man of all wide receivers in the National Football League. And he's been slowly coming downhill since. He didn't like, not like falling off a cliff downhill, but not as good. That was the only point I was trying to make. Is this going to be the highlight of Jalen Rager's career as an Eagle? A catch in practice in his second year against the Patriots. I'm sorry I have a little trepidation about it. All right, uh, let's talk about offense. Eagles put up 16 points week number one against the Steelers. 
believe it or not, I know I said this on my CBS show over the weekend. I think I don't remember if I said it here Monday. You realize that the Eagles Steelers 40 points scored was the highest offense production week one in the uh, in play in the uh, preseason play. No game went over 40. The Eagles were the highest at 40, 24 to 16. But their 16 points is also the most scored by any team in the division so far. The Giants put up, what, a three spot? Good offense out of that Giant team. Uh, Washington football team, 13. And the Cowboys scored three out there in Canton and then came back with a 16 spot, same as the Eagles. How bad is the offense going to be in the NFC least this year? Well, let me start with our favorite team from up by 95, the Giants. I think John Mara is full of himself. We expect to win more games than we do than we did last year. Okay, maybe that might be true, but that's a low bar anyway because you had six wins. But Giants Nation acts like they won 10 games last year and the Eagles stole a playoff spot from them because they can't. <laughs> no, no, you have a right to say that when you win nine, 10 games. You do not have a right to say that when you're a six and 10 football team. And all I hear, especially at work, oh, they went five and three down the stretch. Whoop de doo. Okay, you played the NFC East. Big, big deal. They still don't have an offensive line. Their coach runs that team like how I was basically running high school. It doesn't work in the NFL. It's not going to work. Um, he's full of himself. Daniel Jones, I still don't know if he's any good. I don't even think they know if he's any good. That's why they, they got the extra draft pick for collateral. So I think their offense is not going to be good. If Saquon Barkley gets hurt, they're going to be terrible again. Kyle Rudolph, he's not the same player he once was. He's still a good tight end. He's going to be a good leader for them. But that's not the answer. Kenny Galladay, I think they overpaid for, even though he's a he's a yards-per-catch monster when he's healthy. But he hasn't been healthy in two years. It's it's really frustrating to to know all the collection of talent they have. And yet, they I, I just don't get what that franchise is thinking. I honestly think they're going to be last in the division, not first like they think. Um, I, I will say, I, I think Jeff brings up some good points about the Giants offense. The fact the offensive line still stinks. We, we don't know about Daniel Jones. Obviously, if Saquon Barkley comes back, uh, that's going to help them. The receivers, the skill positions, they're good. That, you know, Eric Ebron's going to drop the football, but they do have Kyle Rudolph. Um, so, but the Dallas Cowboys... My point here is preseason is preseason, and it doesn't matter. And if you have bad quarterback play and you're playing backup quarterbacks and third-string quarterbacks, you're going to have a tough time doing things on the offensive side of the football. The Dallas Cowboys are loaded offensively. They're going to score points. They are going to score points if Dak Prescott is healthy and out there. I don't know if they can stop people. I don't. I so Maybe you could outscore them. Well, you got to be kidding me with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and that offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott seems in good shape. And we saw the numbers Dak Prescott was putting up before he got hurt last season. They're going to be one of the top five offenses in the NFL if they're healthy. So I'm you, you have to Lamb point. We all talked about Justin Jefferson's year last year. C.D. Lamb with Dak Prescott was going to put up those numbers. He was oh, yeah. up those numbers. And people seem to forget that's the scariest wide receiver on in the division, C.D. Lamb. He's going to be really, really good. 
Yeah, he's a great player. They have great players all over the place. I mean, Zach Martin's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm, that's one of the greatest offensive linemen of this generation. He's back and he's ready to go. Teron Smith is supposedly healthy. Now, you know, on their offensive line, Lyle Collins is back. They have a lot of the same questions as the Eagles. You know if they're out there, they're good. Are they going to be out there? The Eagles, I got to tell you, people worrying about Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, they're unbelievable. It's just a matter of, are they going to be out there? Same with the Cowboys. That offense is going to be very, very good. So you kind of have to, you're going to have to outscore the Cowboys. The Giants, I agree with you. They have some significant issues. And Washington is sort of in between. Now, Giants, Jeff, I want to get, let me, let me uh, focus this a little for you, Jeff. Uh, you mentioned that you watched Hard Knocks last night. And again, I get it. I just gave you the numbers of the scoring of the teams. and The starters don't play. It's not a yeah. real reflection of what's going to happen weeks one, two, three, four. But, but you got to use something to come up with an opinion on what a team's doing. And if they're dressed up and they got their uniform on and they're charging people to come in and watch, then, yeah. That's I'm the going worst to part, it. by the way, Jody. They charge people to watch this stuff. That's yes, the worst yeah. part. As, as a Jet season ticket holder, I know how much I pay for uh, and it'll be Jets Eagles this year. The one Jet home game in preseason is the Eagles. Mm. I will be there, guaranteed. Um, uh, but uh, you mentioned you watch Hard Knocks, Jeff. I watch it too. Uh, I had a DVR, and then when the Phillies, whenever they went to a commercial last night, in the midst of their stirring three-two loss to the Diamondbacks, I flipped over and watched Hard Knocks. So I did actually get it done before I ever started my show last night on WIP. Are you questioning Coach McCarthy? I was a fan of him in Green Bay. When he was out there a couple of years ago, I suggested the Jets should actually make a run for them, for him as their head coach. They decided not to go in that direction. He has not wowed me with his uh, performance here on Hard Knocks. And I would think that, it, and I know that it's all on the editors and what they choose to show and uh, it, it might be completely different. We only know what uh, the people producing it decide we're going to know. He has not been an impressive figure. I've watched a bunch of hard knocks, and I've come away from it being impressed by the head coach. I've not been impressed by Mike McCarthy, even though I have suggested a couple of teams would be well-advised to hire McCarthy, including the Cowboys. I said it was a good hire when they made it. Last year, they weren't real good. He's not doing anything that's impressed me this year on Hard Knocks. What's your, has your opinion of Mike McCarthy changed at all, Jeff? Because I'll tell you, mine has a little bit. It's actually strengthened on Mike McCarthy. I never thought he was a good coach before that, and I really don't think he's a good coach now. So I got to agree with you there, Jerry. I, I haven't been impressed with anything he's done or said in Hard Knocks. He can drop as many F-bombs as he wants before a game or during a practice. Guess what? It's He's still Mike McCarthy. I, I don't get – the things he does or things he runs, it feels like he's kind of taking a backseat a little bit. And maybe this is because you're in Dallas to Jerry Jones and Steven Jones and whatever they're doing down there. It's the, you can tell like he kind of wants to rush Dak Prescott back a little bit. I, I don't know if you got that take, but it feels like he knows he needs Dak Prescott to even have a chance to win a football game. And I, I kept trying to tell people this last year, Dallas, could have been one and three or zero and four just as easily as they were five hundred with Dak Prescott last year. That's how bad the defense was. And if Dak Prescott plays anything like good, they are zero and four. Like they got lucky. The Falcons were the Falcons, and 
you know, Dan Quinn, who's now their defensive coordinator, you know, couldn't manage a lead. And we all know what happens when Dan Quinn can't manage a lead. Just look at the Super Bowl. But yeah, overall, I just wasn't a fan of Mike McCarthy. Uh, you know, his last couple of years in Green Bay, they really soured on me. I'm like, okay, how much is this guy really a good coach? Is it Aaron Rodgers more than him? And I just think it's straight in my opinion on him. Um, I think you're right on on the defense. I mean, and that's why Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn coming in, they don't have to be a top 10 defense. They just got to be middle of the road. They just have to be not historically bad. But since Jeff, I want to, I can't remember. The one thing I love about Mike McCarthy uh, was the first episode. What did he call the coach that wasn't here? I can't remember. Oh, I got to watch it now. I got to watch it again. Oh, oh. I loved it. I yeah, loved it. I can't remember it. Yeah, I can't remember it either. I, I, I remember the scene too. It's Yeah, it was like Johnny leap around. <laughs> something isn't here. I loved it. I loved Mike McCarthy doing that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of with Aaron Rodgers, you don't know. Like people say, well, look at what Matt LaFleur is doing for Aaron Rodgers. No. Aaron Rodgers is doing that for Matt LaFleur. If Matt LaFleur goes to, you know, pick a city, he's a mediocre coach. Yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, there you go. He's, he's winning four games. Um, so, yeah, part of it is Mike McCarthy had uh, the best quarterback of the generation. But I do think he's a competent coach. I, I, I wouldn't put him at the top tier. But I do think people dismiss him a little bit too much because he had Aaron Rodgers. What do you want him to do? Okay, don't give me Aaron Rodgers. I mean, uh, he got lucky. All right. Uh, doesn't make him the worst coach in existence, I would say. It, it is funny, though, the narrative of Mike McCarthy. Like, he took a six seed to the Super Bowl and won it and yeah. you know, beat the Eagles. And, and then he's a one seed the next year, 15-1. I thought they were just going to cruise through, and then they yeah. lose a playoff game to the Giants. Hard, it's, it's hard to win, man. It's hard to win the best Patriot. I always say this. The best Patriots team – didn't win. Yep. The Giants upset him. Um, you know, if you look at it locally, the Phillies, the Phillies team that won the World Series in baseball was the worst of that three-year run. That I was said, the worst of that three-year run, I said and that was the one that won. Says to Jody yesterday, I thought the best Eagles team under Andy Reid was the 0-2 team, not the 0-4 team. They didn't even go to Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it happens all the time. You, 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 the stars have to align – there's a little bit of luck involved to win a championship in sports. Now, Johnny, when yeah. you win six, yeah, you're probably pretty good. But still, the best Patriots team did not win the Super Bowl. Jay Mack, you were there yesterday, and you know how much he participated in uh, what he was able to flash actually running patterns against a defender. It looks like they're going to get uh, Mr. Smith back for an exhibition game. Don't think he's going to play a lot in that last exhibition game. But I mentioned I will be there. First ever game for Devonta Smith on the field. Eagles jersey gets yeah. the Jets. I will be there. So I got to make sure I'm there for the start of the game because I think he'll play about three yeah. snaps and then come quicker. out. And they can't get there late that day. Uh, what do you look like? Uh, should Eagle fans be getting excited? There have been other guys like Wes Watkins and Jalen Rager with his unbelievable one-handed catches. Um, we still all believe Devonta Smith is going to be the number one target and the biggest producer of the Eagle wide receivers this year, don't we? Yeah, I mean, he's the linchpin to it all. I mean, that's the whole point. He's the wide receiver one, and then you hope Jalen Rager can fit in as that complimentary receiver. Quez Watkins turns into a good um, number three option. 
and then you start cooking with gas and that's the plan and that's how it's all supposed to work out. Look good, looks healthy. So it's clearly, you know, he had the, the best of the MCL sprains when it comes to grade, uh, the, the least serious. Uh, they were very cautious with him. I kind of wondered why they put him in there. They were like using him as a decoy in team drills. It's like it's practice, dude. Just just keep him off to the side. But um, he does need reps. He, he said that after practice, and he said um, any young receiver does. It's not an insult to Devontae Smith. I mean, it's a tough transition. Even coming from Alabama and the SEC, it's a different game. They play the game differently. Uh, the corners do things differently. The corners are better. Uh, they're deeper uh, in the NFL. Um, maybe you'll see one or two in the SEC, but you're not going to see five or six roll at you that are NFL caliber. Um, so he's got to learn the game, and he's going to have some hiccups, and it's not going to be all great. So he does need reps. Same thing I say with Jalen Hurts. You know, Jeff brought up, I want to see Jalen Hurts play a quarter. I'm, I'm with Jeff uh, uh, against uh, – uh, on Thursday night against the Patriots. And then I want to see a half against the Jets and maybe even come out in the third quarter. I don't think the Eagles are going to do that, but we'll see. Uh, Devontae Smith, I, he's not going to play on Thursday, I don't think. Um, against the Jets, he's got to play. He's got to go out there. I'm, you can't legislate injuries. And with young players especially – you got to get them those reps, even even though they're not, you know, we talk about preseason football. It's not important. It's not important from a win-loss, from a statistic standpoint. It's an important part for learning the offense, getting the offense down, understanding what you're supposed to do and things like that. It, I got to say with Devontae Smith, too, I, I agree with you, John. He's got to get in the preseason at some point, and I'm not expecting him in Thursday. That would be a nice little surprise treat, even if it's for a couple snaps, but I, I agree. I think he's got to get in a series or two against the Jets if it's more great, but I just want to see him on the field, just catch a pass or two, and just kind of get the feel of the NFL game. Like I, I think he's going to be ready week one regardless, but just having that assurance, if you will, that – He's going to – he knows what's coming. Even if he's facing second or third team DBs, I, I, I don't really care at this point. I just want to see him go out there, make a catch or two, you know. May, maybe they try uh, a deep ball with him or something. But overall, I really do think this guy's going to come out against the Falcons and they're going to throw him like the first target or two of the game and he's just going to make a play. I, I just feel he's that polished of a player. J.K., we want you to treat this like a Nick Sirianni practice. And don't do too much. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it much. Uh, we'll give you the rest of the day off from here on in. Uh, we'll get you up uh, again next week. Thanks for hopping on with us today, bud. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, sir. CBS Sports. Uh, fill in host for Johnny Mac when JM's got practice responsibilities. Just a walk through the day for the birds. We'll come back, uh, get some more Eagle info out to you. And in an hour number two, Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports. Philly is going to jump aboard here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. 
wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. 
It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Hour number two on a Wednesday edition of Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, Don McMullen, and Jordan McDonald here talking Philadelphia Eagles football with you on the Jacob Media <laughs> YouTube channel. Uh, Dave Zangaro, NBC Sports uh, Philly, will be jumping aboard in uh, less than 20 minutes from now. Uh, JM, you and I have a little bit of a discrepancy as to how draft picks are handled and evaluated. Once they've already been on the football field, they have a value before you ever take them. Then they show up and they start to play and you can evaluate them. But we do it. I acknowledge and you certainly do that where you're drafted continues to factor in to the analysis that a player has. And the higher you're drafted, the more lease you get to be able to uh, prove that you are or aren't a player which I think can be overstated, but that's just me. I handle it differently than other people and certainly general managers around the league. Let me ask you about another thing that I don't have a complete and utter grasp on. You mentioned that Devonta Smith really needs to get out there in the first exhibition game, and I agree. He's never played in a game before. He's never played in an NFL game before. To this point, the only one he's ever gone against is a teammate. He hasn't played against another player wearing another jersey. So I agree with you. He needs that. He's a rookie. And then you have second-year players as compared to third-year players. And then you have grizzled veterans. And the further you get away from rookie status, the less preseason is needed because you believe that the guy has the experience. He knows what it takes. He knows what it's like. He knows what he's going to have to do. And you believe that you can go easy on those guys and not push them. If there's any question of injury, then you just hold them out. How do we judge year to year to year to year? How much difference is there between a rookie and a first-year guy, a first-year guy and a second-year guy? When do you actually become a veteran? And, like, if uh, you don't think he needs it and it's look good in practice, you go, yeah, we're not putting him out there. He, if it's just for reps' sake, he doesn't need reps because he's been around long. He knows the whole deal here. How does that break down from year to year to year in your eyes? Well, I think more than experience, it has to do with success. So if you become a star player earlier in your career, they're going to be careful with you. Um, if you're a star player later in your career, they even get more careful because then they do start to think about uh, injuries and, and the wear and tear of an older player. But when it comes to younger players, yeah, it has to do with, did you hit the ground running? I mean, uh, if if you turn into a star, and I hate to keep bringing up Jalen Rager, but that's what everyone brings up in this town. So if you're Justin Jefferson, he's already in that mode. Uh, he's he's a starter. He's entrenched. He's he's already there. If you're Jalen Rager in Philadelphia, here we're talking about. Well, Jalen's got to get reps. Jalen's got to get uh, more consistent. It's kind of how it works uh, it, it, because his rookie season wasn't as successful. Um, you know, position plays into it as well. I mean, Nick Sirianni uh, admitted it with Miles Sanders. Uh, uh, that position played into it. In fact, running backs tend to get banged up probably more than any other position on the field. 
Um, so you take that into the equation. Uh, so it's always a case-by-case basis. Uh, but more than experience, it has to do with success. If you're successful early, you're in the program, so to speak. You're in the group. You're in the you're in the entrenched starters. You know, certain teams didn't dress 35 to 40 guys uh, in, in preseason week one. If you look at those teams and you look at those 35, 40 players, you'll see all the starters um, and you'll see the, the, the competent backups, the guys who've proven themselves from that perspective. Uh, so I think it has more to do with how much success you had and the belief that, you know, coaches, at the essence, you talk to all of them, they say it's about teaching. So you're teaching uh, players who haven't performed. You're trying to get them uh, up to speed, trying to get them better than what how they performed before. And how do you do that? Best way to do it is repetition and reps and reps and reps. And you set me up perfectly for my next question, so thank you very much. I was going to ask you about trying to judge – how effective running is in practice. Yesterday was a practice again, last two days was a practice against another team, uh, the, the Patriots. Practicing against your own team is another thing altogether. I think that's like the toughest thing to judge. You can judge a quarterback. You can judge a wide receiver. But with running backs, they're supposed to tackle, but nobody's really supposed to hit anybody too hard that you're going to uh, potentially injure them. They aren't given the same accord that quarterbacks are, which is red shirt, hands off. You better not throw that guy to the ground. So it's kind of in that middle area. And if I'm a running back and I'm trying to take advantage of, I'm trying to put uh, my game at this level, oh, I'm going to run through every tackle I can. I'm going to be going at 100%, but the defense is only supposed to be going about 80, 85. How do you judge as a guy on the side? Is that for your job as a uh, sideline reporter you're not a scout but you're asked to give opinions every day on who looked good who didn't look good who opened your eyes who didn't how do you judge the running game in practices uh you can't really you can judge explosion of a player you can judge okay that guy's got some juice you can see the difference between miles sanders and the rest of the eagles running backs when he runs the football you can see that um and coaches and and Nick has brought this up as well, and about the running back position, you can't judge. You don't know. You blow the whistle. Uh, you blow the play dead. You don't know if that linebacker's tackling that running back there. I I had the opportunity to uh, cover Adrian Peterson early in my career. I guarantee you that linebacker wasn't tackling Adrian Peterson when they blew that uh, whistle dead. So yeah, running back. And offensive line is a little bit in this equation as well. Those are positions you need to see the pads and you need to see live action. And those are probably the two most important positions when it comes to evaluation with preseason games, uh, because you do get to see live reps. You do get to see tackling to the ground. You do get to see all that. Everything else you can see the athleticism, even, even defensive line. You can see how their their athleticism, how they pass rush. You you can kind of get a feel for it. You could certainly the seven on sevens, the receivers, D backs. You could certainly get a feel for that. Um, running back, offensive line. You got to have the pads on. You have to. 
Let me, uh, and if that's the case, do we expect to see Miles Sanders this week? Is he going to play against it? If they're protecting him from injury in the first preseason game, you got to think they're going to be protecting him from injury in the third preseason game. So is this it? We'll see a couple of Miles Sanders handoffs, and then it's going to be ready for week one against the Falcons? I think so. I think he'll play a little bit um, in whatever he does. You know, it's going to be interesting because I think Jalen Hurts needs to play, as I said, a quarter. We'll see what the coaches think. And you're not going to have Miles out there for a quarter. You're probably not going to have Brandon Brooks and, and, and Lane Johnson out there for a quarter, quarter. maybe Jason Kelsey as well. Um, so you're going to have Jalen Hurts behind Nate Herbig, Jack Driscoll, Matt Pryor, players like that. But I think you need to do it. Uh, the receivers need to play, um, but I think they're going to be cautious with Miles uh, because of the position uh, more than anything else and the fact that you're liable to get banged up. And also the second part is I think this is going to be an RPO-heavy offense when the regular season gets here. So you need Jalen Hurts to be up to speed. He needs the reps. You know Miles is – already proven you know what miles can do he needs to be honest he need rep reps for uh pass receiving pass protection but i don't think they're going to ask him to do that i think this is a in fact nick sirianni said it this is going to be a committee style approach and they're going to have boston scott and jordan howard and and kenny gainwell uh to do some of those other things but when it comes to first, second down, when it comes to the running game, the traditional running game, it's going to be RPO heavy, and it's going to be Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. Uh, you ran three names down there behind Miles Sanders, and they're the three most obvious names. Uh, I know you do your challenge every year to come up with Eagles' 53-man roster. They're going to do your work for you, cut it down from 90 to 80. So I'm sure you're not going to put your 53 out until after next week's cuts. But when do you have that Have that in? And right now, I don't want you to completely tip your hand because you never know the competition could be watching, John. Uh, how many running backs <laughs> do you think the Eagles are going to keep? Uh, four, and I just named them. Yeah, uh, that gun dry, huh? Yeah. I'm not worried yeah, I'm about not that tipping your I'm hand a, here, I'm buddy. A, I'm, a, I'm a former champion. I'm not afraid of this. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, first of all, the 53, we we do it after the Jets preseason game. So that night you have to have it in. Um, and, you know, because there can be something like the pandemic, I argue with Bo Wolf. Uh, I, I, you know, I think the pandemic screwed everything up, but we'll keep that in house. That's inside baseball, but nonetheless, um, you get a good feel. I think in the last four years, I came in first, second, second, second. So I, I've never fallen below, um, a tie per second. So if you're watching practice every day, you got a pretty good beat on, uh, who the 53 is going to be. I will say it's more difficult. What's made it more difficult is the expanded practice squad and the ability to put veterans on the practice squad because now you got to factor in the, who they might think that they can get a veteran through waivers uh, and they might keep a younger player. Probably doesn't deserve a roster spot, but they, you know, we talked about Howie Roseman. You want to keep your draft picks as a GM. 
So you have that makes it a little bit more difficult. And then the second part is the injured players. Remember, if you're put on injured reserve before the final 53, you're done for the season. Correct. So Landon Dickerson is an example of this. When do the Eagles believe he's going to be ready? If it's going to be six, seven weeks, they can put him on the pup list. No big deal. He's out six weeks. If they think it's going to be quicker than that, they have to carry him on the 53. And then they can place him on injured reserve and bring him back after three weeks. So it's a little bit more complicated with the COVID pandemic changes they've made. All right, then uh, I'll answer some of you, and then maybe we can just carry over with Dave Zangaro because he might have a different and or varied opinion. Cutting down to the 53, a lot of it is kind of negotiations and relationships with the general manager and the agents of the players from, say, 50 to 63 because you got a 10-man practice squad. 16 now. 16-man practice squad? Yeah. Holy 16. mackerel. All right, so it's uh, – quick math here. Up to 69, 69, yeah. 53 to 69. You bring the guys back. You really like them. Uh, you tell them you've got a chance to be added to the regulation roster, and uh, you might try and sneak through and say, listen, we're doing this just for now because then we're going to flip somebody tinged reserve, which means we're going to put you right back on the 53, so we'll re-sign you because guys get cut and then re-signed by their team immediately yeah. thereafter playing machinations with the, uh, the, the numbers and the spaces on the roster. How good is Howie Roseman at that game? I think Howie's really good at everything that involves sort of, you know, we talk about trades, leverage. He's great at at, at judging leverage and, and where a player's value is. He's, he's great at that kind of stuff. He's obviously great at the salary cap stuff. He's great at the juggling uh, that you just mentioned. Uh, he's really good at that stuff. Uh, the questions with Howie Roseman generally deal on personnel, and he's got to lean on Andy Weidel and his scouting staff, and how much does he do that? How much does he go off, off off their advice? Does he take the coaching staff's view in mind? Jeffrey Lurie comes into it as well. That's the part we're kind of murkier on. All the other stuff, he's a really good general manager. I know I'm going to yell that. He, he's really good. He's really well-respected around the league for that kind of stuff. But the end game is personnel. And the end game is getting good players. I, I will say the the juggling of the practice squad, remember, and every year people forget. Uh, you know, they say, how can you get this guy through waivers? If you're really, really good, you might get three players claimed on waivers. If you're one of the most talented teams in the NFL, not a ton of guys are going to get claimed on waivers because you have to understand other teams have been working with their guys through the spring and summer, and they're more comfortable with them. They don't want to bring in a young kid they don't know. Now, sometimes they love somebody in the draft, and they say, this kid's going to be a really great player. And, yeah, they'll go in that direction and take a flyer. But it's not going to be massive. If you, if you cut guys, most of them are going to be willing to come back on the practice squad, the vast majority. Nobody's going to say, oh, I'm going to go on the practice squad of another team where they'll be starting from square one. Now, if they get a regular job, if they get a 53rd man, 53-man roster, yeah, they're gone. 
that's they're going to get claimed on waivers though. So as far as getting guys back for the practice squad, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy. Let me ask you about one specific guy because I know you have a uh, somewhat strong opinion on him. Tyree Jackson made enough couple night more nice catches in the last two days against the Patriots uh, as looked good and basically throughout the camp the converted quarterback the tight end um, they've got already three tight ends and Zach Ertz looked like he's going to be here and we know about Dallas Goddard and give Richard Rodgers his props he was really solid for the Eagles last year pick him up off the scrap heap had the injuries at tight end all he did was go out and catch balls for both. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz last year, and he, I think he got some guaranteed money when he signed as a free agent. Granted, it was later in the free agency year, but he's, he certainly looks like he's worthy of keeping. Tyree Jackson is a guy they should like and want to be able to keep. As an undrafted guy, do you believe you can put him out there and not get him claimed and bring him back from the practice squad, or do you think they actually have to go for tight ends deep with their 53 to project Jackson? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Probably the most interesting one. It's a good example of what I was talking about. You might have to keep him on the 53. And the more buzz that Tyree Jackson creates, because the athleticism, he's not ready to play right now. But the athleticism, you can see the developmental uh, ability. You can project him a couple years down the road. He might be a really good tight end in this league. I compare him in a lot of ways to Jordan Mailata from the standpoint yep. of his first couple of seasons. Jordan wasn't ready to play, but they kept him on the 53 because they were concerned somebody would see the size and the athleticism and say, okay, let's take a flyer. I think you see the same thing developing at tight end with Tyree Jackson. The interesting part then is Richard Rodgers. Can you get Richard Rodgers through waivers and get him on the practice squad because now you can put veterans on the practice squad. Would he even be willing to do that? I I would say this about Richard Rodgers. He, he's better than people think he is, and he keeps playing, but nobody ever signs him, and he comes back. Washington took a chance on him. They cut him, though, a couple of years ago. So you could probably do that, but then you have to weigh in that personal, the agents, you know, will will – Will Richard Rogers take that as an affront, something of that nature? You have to worry about all those types of things. And, yeah, you might have to keep four tight ends uh, because you don't want to risk losing Tyree Jackson. That is going to be one of the most difficult decisions. That's why I asked you the question about Howie Roseman. I, oh, by the way, agree with you. I think that is a strong suit of Howie the margins, the margins of the roster and making those decisions and who do you expose and who do you keep. You're right. Jordan Mailata was a red shirt here in Philadelphia for his first year. You knew he wasn't going to get on the field. First two but, years. Yeah, really? two years. Certainly the first year. Second year, at least there was the possibility if they had injuries that uh, they would activate him. But the first year, had no chance to play. John McMullen had his good chance to play on the Eagles offensive line, as Jordan Mailata did his first year here. But they loved the upside, and they were going to keep him, and they did. And now they're reaping the benefits as their starting left tackle. I think they look at Tyree Jackson the same, too. We're going to be very interesting when that comes up. And I'll be waiting for the McMullen 53-man roster predict- predictions will. on it's that one. It's a big day. It's a big day, Jerry. It is a big day. And I'll day. be at MetLife Stadium with you yeah. doing it. I'll, doing I'll it wait. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly where my tickets are, so I'm going to expect away from the press box. By the way, press box higher. My seats are better than yours. But uh, that's, that's, a, that's just that. Well, you're aside. big time. I get that. Uh, 
<laughs> Not really, but I think <laughs> it will. All right, uh, we are the Mac and Mac guys. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you. Hoping to punch up Dave Gonzaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia here with us next on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody Mac and Johnny Mac. I uh, just looked over my shoulder and good morning football's on and uh, they got Bill Goldberg as a guest, which kind Bill of bummed Goldberg. me and me and Johnny out because we're a big wrestling Summer fan. SummerSlam week, that's why. He's going for the uh, WWE heavyweight title against the almighty Bobby Lashley. So I was jealous for about a second. Then I realized, 
Yeah, but we got Dave Zingaro coming up. Yeah. The hell with Bill Go- Who needs Bill Goldberg? Watched up, old fool. Now we got Dave Zingaro from Comcast Sportsnet joining us here on, uh, I still call it Comcast Sportsnet, NBC Sports Philly here with us on Birds 365. Uh, DZ, I, I got a weird question for you. Today is show like 93. We've done 93 shows on this uh, Birds 365 thing. We usually get two guests a show, sometimes only one. So probably 160 guests so far. I never asked this of one of my guests before. What were you doing right before you dialed us up, you uh, linked into the show, and hopped on to be able to talk to us? I brushed my teeth, actually. There we go. <laughs> I, right. I realized that I always uh, – I was uh, drinking some coffee, then I realized let me brush my teeth, and uh, I timed it up well. Got the full – I have an electric there toothbrush, too, so I went – I had to wait for the buzz, and then I, I dialed you guys up. There we go. See, number I one, thought – Number I one – Dave. Number one, don't brush your teeth for us, please. It's Mac and Mac here. You don't need to yeah. do that. And number two, the reason why I asked was your timing was impeccable. I had just said, and Dave Zingaro is going to join us. Boom, and you popped into the little screen that we can tell that you hooked up and uh, uh, clicked on the link to be able to come on the show. So I thought maybe you were actually watching the first hour of the Birds 365. You had better things to do like brush your teeth. That's what well, I, I, I Actually, I never listen to any show that I'm about to join because I don't want to let it sway what i would do the same thing dave i do the same thing i never listen to the show because i don't want to be swayed by the by the host or the thinking or i want to give my opinion but i thought if i would have guessed i thought you were on eagle social media watching jalen rager's catch which if everybody looks in the background they're all looking at the catch but right there to see it was dave zangaro so how good was that catch? It was great. And people were giving me grief because I didn't look like that amazed by it. But what you couldn't <laughs> you see is I, yeah. I had sunglasses on and my eyes were about as wide as they could have been. I mean, it yeah. was it's one of the best catches I've ever seen in training camp. It's better than his one a few weeks ago. First and the only other one I can yeah. think of in Eagles camp was actually by a guy named Caleb Jones. Um, who was undrafted out of Arizona State. Maybe Arizona he's actually State. Zay Jones' yeah, brother. Jay Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made that. a great catch a few years ago uh, in 11-on-11, which to me means a little bit more, and it was like a diving, one-handed grab. But, I mean, this is – it's a special catch. But the problem – I mean, the thing with Rager is we know he's talented. It's not yeah. – everyone understands that he's talented. It's just can he be consistent and can he do it when it matters, and, and we don't know that yet. But – um, it's a good sign. And, like, you know, we, we all tweet about it. We all talk about it because we have to. When you see a catch like that, it's amazing. Like, no one, no human should be able to do that. Um, and then you have all the skeptics, and I get it, but you can appreciate that catch for what it is. It's a fantastic catch. It shows the talent of a former first-round pick. Now we like we all get the situation with him, that he, he's got to be more consistent. He's got to do it in games. But the talent's there, and it was good to see. Now, uh, great question by John, uh, and I didn't even think I was going there, but I'll go there now since you went there. You're right. We see guys do this. Guys catch the ball with one hand. Beckham was the first one that made everybody's attention. Now it seems like receivers are practicing to be able to do that. And with the gloves, it makes a big difference. Certainly never uh, catches like that just weren't made 20, 25 years ago. Um, is it now acceptable not to try for the ball with two hands? 
If you go up with only one hand and your coach goes, get both hands on the ball, you go, why? I can catch it one-handed. Have you seen me, coach? I can catch one hand. I don't need two hands. Has it changed the way receiving coaches actually coach receivers in the league anymore? No, I mean, I think they'd still prefer, if you can get two hands on it, get two hands on it. But there are a lot of situations where you kind of can't. Um, and, and the Beckham play that everyone always thinks about is, is a perfect example. Even DeAndre Hopkins had a catch very similar to that a couple years after. But it's a, you know, if you're falling backwards, it's tough. If you can't get two hands out, you'll land on your head and get a concussion. So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's a skill to have. It's not something – you know, there are some receivers who embellish a little bit and they you can tell there are some guys who want to have the highlight real catch and they'll they'll do things when they don't need to and that's the stuff that i think would bother coaches more but it's a skill to have and i think there are times where that's the only way you're going to catch the ball is if you throw one paw up there and grab it so i, I think it's a little bit of both jody i don't think it's it's like receivers coaches are saying yeah let's work on these one-handed because we don't care if you get two hands on it but I think they understand that if you have that in your toolbox, there are going to be situations like that that kind of call for it, and it's it's a nice skill to have. And I think that was a perfect example, Dave, because everybody focused on the one-handed catch. There's a guy with a 42-inch vertical leap going about yeah. 42 inches up in the air. Yeah, he maxed and the it body out. control, that to me was the more impressive part. The, 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 the vertical leap to get up there, the body control to come down in in, in uh, the field of play for the touchdown is even more impressive than the one-handed catch aspect of it. He couldn't get two two hands on that thing. Yeah, and and let's not forget the timing either, because it's great to have a forty-two inch vert, but if you jump a second early, you're not getting yeah. the ball either. So you have right. to have a feel for when the pass is going to get there. Because I've seen a bunch of guys be able to jump high and they jump at the wrong time, and that doesn't do you any good. So uh, you're right. There are other parts of the catch, aside from the one-handed aspect, that were really impressive. And we just got to see him stack them because it's not like it, – it's funny. The last one-handed catch he had a couple weeks ago, it was such a microcosm of, of what Jalen Rager's been because he had the one-handed catch against Slay. It was a yeah. great grab. And then the very next time, he undresses him with a quick stutter yeah. move, and yeah. then he drops a ball that was, it, yeah. was wide open. So uh, we just need consistency from him. Dave, glad to hear you weren't listening before he came on because I asked John a question just before we punched you up, and I want to get your take on it as well. We were talking about Tyreek Jackson, who's had a real nice camp, caught a ball in the the, the preseason opener. We expect him to play this week against the Patriots. He's kind of flashed as a converted quarterback to tight end. The Eagles have their two starting tight ends. All right, somebody's got to start if they start uh, non-12 personnel doesn't much matter. Both are going to play. Both are going to get the ball thrown their way. They re-signed Richard Rodgers, who was pretty damn good for him last year. I don't think they can carry four tight ends, but they might have to if they want to keep Tyree Jackson. If they're afraid he's going to get scooped up if they run him through, would they expose Richard Rodgers again and try and re-sign him? What do you think of Howie Roseman as a guy who plays the roster management game? the around the uh, edges type movers, moves that you have to make to get yourself the best, not only 53-man, but 69-man roster adding the practice squad in. Would you call that a strength, a weakness, or somewhere in between for Howie Roseman as a general manager? 
Yeah, I think he's pretty good at it. He, he knows how to game the system a little bit. But they, they got burned last year with Noah Tongiai. They exposed in the waivers, the tight end, undrafted tight end, and he ends up in Indianapolis. They lost him because of it. I wouldn't expose Tyree Jackson. And I'm normally a guy who's very skeptical. You know, a guy will have a great training camp, and fans are like, oh, they're going to lose him, and, and it never happens. We saw that with, you know, Deontay Burnett last year, who did just about everything he could to make the roster. They cut him. People were upset, and they were able to scoot him through to the practice squad, no problem. I think Tyree Jackson would get claimed. Um it's because he's so early in his transition and he's already this good. He has all the physical tools. We know he's six, seven. He looks so smooth. I think another team would, would use a roster spot on that guy as a developmental player. I don't think the Eagles should risk losing him. If anything, if we're talking about gaming the system a little bit, why not try to cut Richard Rogers? He's a vested veteran. So if he's on the roster day one, you have to guarantee his base salary. And we've seen them do this in years past with, with you know, Najee Good was a, a pretty yeah. uh, noteworthy one. But you can bring him back in week two, and now he has non-guaranteed base salary, and you can kind of ma- manipulate it a little bit that way. That's what I would lean toward right now. I, I wouldn't risk losing Tyree Jackson. I think there's too much there too early, and the ceiling's too high. I, I'd keep him around. Yeah, good point, and because uh, Richard is vested, which I didn't mention, so that means he doesn't have to get through waivers, and you can kind of do some back backdoor lawyering and try to say, look, Richard, we'll bring it back in week two and kind of try to finagle things that way, uh, how he is good at that kind of stuff. I do want to steer you back to receivers because I want to talk about the group as a whole, Dave. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of good from Jalen Rager against the Patriots, a lot of good from Quez Watkins, continues to have a great summer. On day two, though, the best receiver on the field was J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, in my estimation. Is he getting back into the conversation of being on this team? At the same time, Travis Fulgham has kind of had a bad week or so. It's it's a fair question, and yeah, it's it's funny because he had such a good day yesterday, and I really wanted to tweet about it, and I just didn't because it's <laughs> it's just you don't not want worth that. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, you're right. He he was very good. Uh, the problem is he's been very good in training camp before. Yeah. So I like a lot of people. I'm like, all right, let's. It's great that he's he's playing well in training camp, and that's all they have to go on. It's not like. You know, this coaching staff isn't going to be like, yeah, but he's done it before because they've never been here. So mm-hmm. you're right. He's fighting for a roster spot. If they keep six, he's probably in, I think, over John Hightower, who wasn't having a very good camp and, and then ended up on the injured list. He's coming back now, so we'll see where he's at. But if they keep six, he's probably in. If they keep five, he might be out. But you're right, Travis Fulgham has been kind of a disappointment. It's tough because with the new coaching staff, we don't really know how they view him. And then you're trying to figure out, well, how much of it is Howie and how much of it is the coaching staff? Because if it's Howie, yeah, I, I, he's not going to want to cut the former second round pick. Uh, and speaking about guys getting claimed, his, his pedigree as a former second round pick might lead him to get, he hasn't done anything to deserve that, but someone might take a chance on him because there was talent there a few years ago when he got drafted. Um, but if you cut him, I think you're you're willing to lose him at that point. It's interesting. I, I think he's in the conversation, and I know a lot of fans are ready to move on. 
I don't, you sh- the team shouldn't overreact. The team shouldn't be like, he's, he's been a waste of a pick. Let's just cut our losses because if he's the 53rd guy on the roster, so be it. The problem for him is that he doesn't really play a lot of special teams. Yeah. That you is know, and, and t- like if you keep six receivers, that's six guy. Yeah. Typically, usually has to help a lot. special teams. Yeah. Yeah. I, they don't really I have do any think, receivers to play teams. I do think that the new coaching staff, though, has used him differently. And they're using him in the slot in the red zone to kind of use his size, at least at times. Do you think he could be that sort of situational player? They're looking at him that Maybe. way. Yeah. Or Maybe. Am I going I, it's, down there? To me, that's like a. When I heard they were moving him in the slot this summer, my initial reaction was kind of disappointment in a way because that's not why they drafted him. No, they didn't draft him to be a big bodied slot. They drafted him because of his his skills outside and his ability to to have that body control. So, I I think it was a team looking at him like let's try to get something out of this player. He he he's he's decent enough to get something out of him, and I think that's what they're doing. Is it worth keeping him on the roster? to be a, a very situational, big-bodied slot receiver. Oh, by the know. way, I mean, if, the, if the Eagles are in the red zone, uh, I'm in 12 possession. I, I want both Goddard and Ertz on the field, so you're taking your slot receiver off the field anyway, so how many plays is that actually going to uh, come to over the course of the year that the Eagles are going to be in the red zone and uh, have to make a decision on the amount of players there? Uh, that's just my thought. All right, uh, Dave, I wanted to ask about a different position. And that would be safety. No, you got to do a little crystal ball work for us here because we still have two preseason games to do. We've got injuries to evaluate. We know that uh, if everyone is healthy, that's one thing. But if guys aren't in like first game against Atlanta, when they take the field, if there are two starting safeties out there, who are the two starting safeties? Uh, yeah, I mean, Anthony Harris and... And I, I who? I, I, yeah, I don't know about... It's impossible to know. He's been working on a side field. Uh, there's a lot of time. There's, I mean, we're almost a full month before, or like three weeks, three and a half weeks before the first game. If Rod, I, I don't know if Rodney be ready for week one, but I, I do think he's going to be far enough along that they're not going to use a pup designation on him. So I think that even if he's not ready for week one, he'll be ready before week six. So he's going to be on the roster. Uh, if it's not him, my money will be on Kayvon Wallace. I know that they've been kind of working Marcus Epps and Andrew Adams at that other spot, but I think Kayvon was playing pretty well before he got hurt. He's back now. I think that he gives them a better shot. Epps isn't a bad player, by the way, either. Uh, I think Jim Schwartz put him in a lot of unfavorable positions that put a bad taste in people's mouths from Marcus Epps. He's not, you know, he's not a Pro Bowl type player, but he's good enough to be on the roster. I think they might keep five if. Rodney isn't ready for week one. My fifth would actually be um, Elijah Riley, who's been a kind of a core special teams guy and had that big interception in the preseason game over Andrew Adams, who, you know, if, if, if those two guys are close, Adams and Elijah Riley, I'll take the guy who's younger with more upside. Um, so that's the one thing I'll say about safety. If, if Rodney's not ready for week one, I think they keep five. Uh, well, preseason week two is almost upon us, Dave. So I want to ask you, we tried to get this out of Nick Sirianni, couldn't yesterday. How much do you want to see Jalen Hurts play uh, in preseason game two? How much do you think he's going to play? Yeah, I think maybe, what do they play, two series, ten snaps? Ten snaps, yeah. Yeah, I. based on what Sirianni said 
One of the more interesting answers Sirianni's given us was about joint practices versus preseason yeah. games and how much more he's willing to show and willing to use his offense in these joint practices. That was telling to me because not that I don't want to see Jalen Hurts play, but it's almost like if you're not going to run your offense in the preseason games, how valuable is it? You know, if we're not really going to see what the offense is with Jalen and they're not, I mean, they're not going to show, uh, I mean, well, you've seen it, John. Like what we see in, in training camp and what we saw in that first preseason game, it was so much more vanilla. Like in, yeah. in training camp, we're really seeing them utilize his legs as a decoy or as, as a fundamental building block of the offense. And they're not going to do that in the preseason. So honestly, I want to see him maybe two or three series, maybe a quarter, but not much more than that. Because if if this is the way they're viewing the joint practices, it's more valuable. Dave, another day has come and gone with NFL practices around the league and the joint practice that the Eagles had here, and a bunch of teams are doing that over the next couple of days. Um, and the Sam Bradford scenario has not kicked in yet. No very productive tight end has gotten injured in the National Football League where Howie Rose would say, hey, I got this Ertz guy. You know, I've been asking for a two or a three all along. I'll give him to you right now. So Zach Ertz is still here. We know that Zach gets along fine with his teammates. We know his teammates like Zach a great deal. Seems like the coaching staff has uh, come around to the fact that, damn, this might be the best pass catcher we have, or at least is active right now. We need to get him on the field. The question I have is, is Zach Ertz going to be mentally good as a Philadelphia Eagle? First game, second game, it, it can change and it can peak and valley too. But it looked like uh, he was definitely going to be out of here. He ended up coming back. Uh, wasn't always the happiest guy at practice when camp opened up, but seemed to have some fun talking to Bill Belichick this week. Is Zach Ertz going to be mentally zoned in 100% if he is out there week number one against Atlanta? I like angry Zach Ertz. It was funny. You know, last year I think about him admitting that all the contract stuff kind of got to him. And that worried me going into this camp because I'm thinking, how is he going to put this stuff out of his mind and, and be a productive player? I give him a ton of credit because he's had a really good training camp. He's had a few drops here and there, but overall, really impressed. And this is – I put him out a, another 53-man roster projection today. This is the first time I've had him on there. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm still not totally convinced he's going to be here, but – he might be. I mean, he might be here. And uh, he, it, the one thing Nick Sirianni said, it's not going to force his hand to play more 12 personnel. It is. It I is. mean, it absolutely it is. is. It, I mean, I don't know Good how you can say that, Nick. Yeah. I don't know how you can say it's not. somewhere else down the street. Yeah. Nobody's buying. Yeah, because yeah. if you have Zach Gertz on the team, he's got to play. Yeah. You're not going to just bench him and pay him $8.5 million. And that's another thing for Ertz. As much as he might want to be gone, you don't want to get cut. Because if he gets cut, and he has to sign somewhere. He's not getting eight and a half mil. And, and the Eagles mm -hmm. aren't going to cut him anyway. They'd trade him. Um, I Look, I still think Howie would trade him if if he got an offer that was right. But Howie's been asking a high price. And I, I think they are willing to bring him back if, if he doesn't get it. Yeah, I, I want to talk, Dave, about what I think is the strength of this team. And you and I were talking about it a little bit on the sideline. That right side of the offensive line is just unbelievable at times. Now, it's it's okay to question whether Brandon Brooks is going to be healthy, whether Lane Johnson is going to be healthy, 
with what they've been through from a physical perspective. But how good are those guys on the right side? The offensive line as a whole, now that Isaac Sayamalu is back, we know Jordan Mailata is going to be the starter at least early in the season, despite what Nick Sirianni says. Um, this is going to be a top five offensive line. Is that alone, if healthy, and we always have to put that caveat in there, does that make the Eagles better than people think just because of that offensive line? Sure. I mean, if the Eagles have success this year, it's because of their lines, you know, and that's by design. It's not a, it's not a secret. That's the way they wanted to build this team. Yeah. The health caveat is there for sure. But I mean, yeah, if healthy, think about how athletic this offensive line is, you know, um, and, and Jordan at this stage of his career is, is more athletic than Jason Peters was at the end of his, his run at left tackle. So you're talking about, and Isaac is an underrated athlete too. Uh, he kind of gets overlooked and he's not, he, he hasn't been like a pro bowl caliber player, but he's very athletic. He can get the second level. All these guys can. So you start to think about, okay, screen game, which is going to be a big part of Sirianni's offense. Every single one of those guys can get to the second level and take on a backer. So there's a lot they can do. And that right side of the line, if healthy, it's the best right side of the line in football. I don't think it's even close. Now, the the Brooks thing, you know, he had the hamstring. I, I wouldn't worry about that. The one that scares me a little more is Lane, and he's looked good out here, but that's an ankle injury that we thought was fixed last year too. So uh, I want to see him in games. Uh, I want to see him – put together a few weeks. This is an ankle injury for a big offensive lineman yeah. who yeah. is playing above his natural weight. You know, I think Lane's going to be one of those guys where when he retires, he's going to slim down. So he's had all this weight on a bum ankle for three years. It scares you a little bit, but if they're healthy, they're really good. All right, DZ, know this next question is going to have an answer of 100%. And I'm going to give you three choices so I want you to break it out to the percentage chance each of these three choices could actually happen. Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard is here as a backup percentage chance. Andre Dillard is traded between now and the first game of the season percentage chance. Andre Dillard is cut because they can't justify keeping him. No one wants to trade for him. They decide it's time to just move on. They cut him. Give me the percentage of each of those possibilities. One of those three is going to happen. How would you break them out percentage-wise? Make me do math here. All right. Uh, 80% he's a backup. 19% he's traded. 1% he's cut. He didn't say zero, McMullen. Yeah. You're at zero. I, and he zero. said zero gave me I'm one. Yeah, I, I, I There's always something. Zero. Dave's a smarter, so he gives. I mean, what if, a you know, some, you never know, yeah. but I'm leaving myself yeah. a little wiggle room. But exactly. I, I don't think they're going to be able to trade him either because he's he's trading for a hurt guy who's yeah, never he's hurt played. right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Nobody's going to trade from hurt. Somebody yeah. would trade if he proves if he gets back healthy. I mean, we know how it's this still week to work. week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a while. Last question for me, Dave, is Nick Sirianni, the head coach of this team. And we talked about it a lot until Bill Belichick got here. They went two hours. Sometimes it's 70 minutes. Sometimes it's 75. But thank you, Nick Sirianni, closed circuit, for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it's looked good. I mean, we only had 10 snaps. Uh, it, everybody looks sharp. What do you think about the way Nick has run the camp? The thing I really like about Sirianni is that he's doing things his way and he's pretty unapologetic about it. And, and that's everything. That's the short practices. That's his kind of goofy at times competitions in, in, in the locker room and in, in the, in the building. Um, everything he's done has kind of been his own way, but he backs it up. He has a reason for everything he's doing, which is important because when you're dealing with professionals, you have to have, like, it's not good enough to just say, this is why we're doing it because this is my decision. He has a reason to back it all up. I've been impressed by him, honestly. And I think it, it was a little vindicating for him probably to see the product on the field last Thursday. It was, he used the word crisp. It was, and I was really questioning that, you know, I, I understand the short practices. I understand how efficient they've been, but you wonder just with the lack of grass time and, and the lack of hitting really. I mean, they haven't even gone full thud a lot of these periods. Yeah. It's been, it's been soft in a lot of ways, but uh, they can, I, I can't remember a team in the first preseason game tackling as well as the Eagles did last week. That was the biggest shocker of that game as well. As good as Hertz looked, and, and as good as the offense looked, the defense was tackling after 75-minute practices where they don't tackle. That, that blew me away. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it seems to be working. I know it's a small sample size, but early returns on Nick Sirianni, pretty good. And it looks like his team is buying in, which is the biggest thing when you have a coach who's kind of bucking the trend and, and doing things differently. The only Sirianni statement I'm still working through in my mind is the, uh, the whole Kobayashi eating hot dogs <laughs> thing. I'm still, still, I'm, I haven't given up on it yet. I may figure it out yet, but it still perplexes me a little bit. But otherwise, I agree with everything you just said, Dave. Uh, when does the next Eagle Eye podcast drop? We just did one with our, our buddies from NBC Sports Boston. It was a lot of fun. Tom Curran and, uh, and Phil Perry kind of getting their perspective on the week and we'll do one after the uh after the the game on thursday night kind of recapping it all make sure you check it out he and ruben frank david and gal always a pleasure feel free to not brush your teeth again for another five hours <laughs> all right thanks guys our nice pleasure. Day. That's David Agaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia and his Eagle Eye podcast with Ruben Frank. You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, coming back to put a ball on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, 
grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. All right, coming down to home stretch here on Birds 365 with you Mac and Mac guys. Um... This actually works out perfectly, John, because it was something I did want to touch on during the show. We were so busy doing all things birds. I haven't even asked any other football question, non-Philadelphia Eagle related. But I do have one for you, and it's smart and good and uh, works out well that we're doing right here at the end of the show because it's probably going to tick off at least half of our viewers as of right now. (laughs) If we judge by our stream at all uh, for responses on topics we've talked about previously. It was announced yesterday that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to expect every fan in attendance for their regular season opener to be vaccinated and have proof of vaccination. Otherwise, they're not going to allow you to come in, even if you're a season ticket holder. If you are and you're refusing to get vaccinated, they will refund you your money. They're not going to take your money. They're not going to try and steal from you. It's a decision. You make the decision. If you don't want to be vaccinated, you shouldn't have to be. You should get your money back. And the Raiders have said they will do just that. Here's my question. Lamar Jackson is supposed to come into the stadium on opening week. And Lamar Jackson is, while not as outspoken as Cole Beasley, He's actually tested positive, I think, like twice in the since camps opened up. So we're under the assumption that he hasn't been vaccinated. He won't say that he has or hasn't. He's been asked. He said that's a personal decision. So we don't know. It's general assumption I'm making, everybody's making, is that he's anti-vax and hasn't been vaccinated. If the fans can't come in because they're not vaccinated, you're the Raiders. How do you let a player from the other team come in? If you're taking wow. that strong a stance, you can't come in if you're not vaccinated. Do they get to tell the Raiders, the, the Ravens starting quarterback, stay outside. You got to stay on the bus. We're not letting you in the stadium. 
Well, you know, Jody, shockingly, when politics gets involved, there is, there tends to be hypocrisy. Uh, I don't know if, if you've noticed that over the years. Like, yeah, no, the fans don't have a powerful union fighting for themselves. So, and, and we don't uh, know if Lamar, like Alex Singleton, for instance, uh, got the vaccine. He got the shaming as well early when he didn't show up for camp and they said, you, you saw a bunch of people on social media. How can Alex Singleton not get vaccinated? You know, he's got a, a older sister with Down syndrome and they jump on their moral high horse. And then they don't say anything when, oh, Alex Singleton was vaccinated. It was a breakthrough infection. So we don't even know that. I, you know me. I don't like the shaming. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, as far as the the Raiders decision, it's usually a local government decision in these types of instances. Uh, the Eagles, we have to wear masks in the press box because the city of Philadelphia said we had to. Um, it didn't have anything to do with the Eagles. Um, so generally, local governments drive this. When personal businesses make their decision, it's it's all for PR purposes. And you're right. You know, I don't know if Kirk Cousins plays there. I don't think he does, but he he's come out and said he's not vaccinated. Josh Allen, you know, there's a bunch of players who, for whatever reason, don't want to do it. I don't agree with their standpoint. I, I think they're hurting their teams from a competitive uh, advantage aspect of it. But as far as the hypocrisy, look, if you're looking for, for anything other than hypocrisy, you're going to be disappointed. So uh, in good speech, you didn't answer my question. Uh, will there be – well, you kind no, of that, that, that Lamar Jackson will get to play. Kirk Cousins will get to play. Every NFL player – I answered that part of it with the union. The union has made it sure that it's up to the players. Uh, right. But fans what if, don't what if there are Nevada officials at the gate who are waiting for the Ravens to come off the bus? Well, and they well say, the, NFL, oh. the, the NFL will stop that. They will step in. They, uh -huh. that, they will step in. And that's where I said hypocrisy. No, players won't be allowed to play unless they're on the COVID list for testing positive, then they will not be allowed to play. But if they are cleared to play, they will be allowed to play vaccinated or not. And the Raiders or anybody else can't do a damn thing about it. Yeah, we'll see. I get what you're saying, that uh, yeah, the NFL wants to work in conjunction with local and or state officials. But it means about players. No, 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 no. We are going to make yes. sure we let the player do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, you can go ahead and make any decisions you want for the fans, and we'll follow along with your directions, elected officials. But don't don't tell us how to handle our players. You're right. Hypocrisy, uh, it is our best friend. All right, uh, partner, we all but out of time. What do you got today? How many articles are you writing? Oh, by the end of the day, that's uh, uh, I would say the over under is four. Can I get the five? That, that it's it's it never stops, Jody. A lot of quality computer time for Johnny Mac. Uh, you and me again in the morning because uh, you're heading off to the game tomorrow night. Ross Tucker, who will be on the call on uh, NBC 10 tomorrow night, said he'd be good enough to hop on with us yeah, tomorrow morning. Good. So. Yeah, I saw Ross at practice yesterday. Um, and Ross is uh, on morning games. Ross is usually the only person who beats me uh, to the press box. 
early riser. There's a tidbit on Ross Tucker. I remember him from uh, the end of the last game. He said, yeah, that's why I'm keeping my jacket on because I'm sweating up a storm. It was a hot night uh, down at the uh, link, and we'll see if it's as warm with the Patriots again tomorrow night. But Ross Tucker is going to join us. Partner, I will see you at uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Jody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.